0: Man, good morning, everybody. Aren't you excited? It's almost Christmas time, right? Yeah. Oh, man, we're, I, I said the early service, I didn't have any idea how it was going to begin. I got so many things I want to tell you this morning, uh, right now, just so many things happening going on with the missions project and uh, the Christmas tree, the decorations, the stuff that's been done, then uh, thank you for that, and I, I did fail when I was talking about that in the early service to mention the, the uh, ladies brunch that's coming up this, this uh, Saturday, and uh, I could really use some brownie points, so if all you ladies would go RSVP to my wife before you leave today that you're coming, that would really give me a lot of brownie points. I could use some this time of year, you know, Christmas, you know, and all that, right? And, and you know, at Christmas, I, I don't know if you are, I, I'm one of those people, Now you know, we got some people in our family that they don't, you know, they don't like surprises. We got one, we got one uh, person in our family that if they buy you a Christmas present today, three weeks before Christmas, they'll go home, wrap it, put it on the Christmas tree. Next time you're at their house, they want you to open it right then. Or they want you to tell you what it is, you know, but I, I you know, and, and I live with a person, I won't tell you her name, but I live with a person who, uh, you know, she, she always wants some uh, clues, and she, you know, and I always give these obscure clues, you know, that you can never figure anything out by them or whatever, but she always wants, she always wants enough info to figure it out, but I don't want her to. Man, to me, it's all about that, you know, excitement, you know, and that unexpected, Right? I mean, that's what it's about. Really, it's about the gift. I mean, the, the, everything, just like the, the, uh, the video, the questions we're saying is like, man, we didn't expect this. And so in this three-week Christmas series, Unexpected, I want to share with you some things that I believe will be unexpected to some of you, some things that you didn't expect to hear, some, some things that people in our communities would never expect to hear from a church because they've, they've heard a lot of things about the church. They need to know that, that's not who you are. Listen, this is a... And if you caught my Facebook post yesterday, I think it was late yesterday, when I said, you know, this series is all about the wall. And this is a great opportunity to bring someone who doesn't know Jesus to bring them to hear something that they never would have dreamed that they would hear about God from the church. So uh, I'm, I'm praying with you these next three weeks. Um, I even told the early service, say, hey, you know, go home between services and grab somebody and bring them if needs to hear. But you know someone... If you wrote somebody on this wall, you need to invite them to be here the next couple of weeks. If you, if you hadn't written the name on the wall yet, write the name on the wall. If you know somebody that really needs, they need to hear this message, and then bring them the next couple of weeks. I'm praying for you during that, okay? Let's have a word of prayer and let's get into the message unexpected. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for uh, all the unexpected gifts. Lord, yesterday, two hot dogs and a bag of chips, totally unexpected, God. But what an awesome thing And God, most of us have stories like that. If we just stop and look back and see... All those times that you did those kinds of things for us. And I pray, God, that you help us begin noticing that. And God, help us. If there's someone here today that is not that is not grabbed hold of and, and grasped with, with love, has grasped, God, what you have wanted to do for them. Lord, I pray that today is their day, God, that they really begin opening up to you and receiving through faith, God, all the great things that you want to do in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agree with that prayer said? Amen. Amen. So, how does this all tie into Christmas? Well, let me start with Matthew chapter one. That's that's how this whole thing. T- Actually, I'm going to give you one unexpected statement on a mic. I forgot about that. Let me give you this before we go to our scripture. Tell you this about uh, something that that's unexpected. And I, I think I think your friends that that have never been in church, they probably would not. They would not expect to hear this from a church because they think we're we're we you know we want to just. Uh, pick on them. We want to point out their faults. But that's what a lot of people think the church is about, is about pointing out, you know, how bad they are. And hey, we're the church and we've got it all figured out and you're bad. I want you to know this, is that God does not care about your past. I was hoping to hear some amens or thank God's or something, you know. Thank God he doesn't care about my past. Now that's not, that doesn't mean that God says, I don't care about your past. No, it's, it's, it's this story like of the prodigal son. I think about this so many times when I think about uh, about how God doesn't care about our past is that, you know, we kind of get this attitude sometimes that we think we've got to keep repenting and keep repenting and keep repenting because we've just been so bad, we just got to keep making it up to God. You know, eventually we're going to tell him, I'm sorry enough, he's going to be able to forgive us, we're going to feel better about it. You're not going to ever feel better about it because you repent 4,000 times about that Get the story of the prodigal son. If you're having a problem with guilt, something you can't get over, you can't forgive yourself of, you can't believe that God will forgive you, you need to read that story this afternoon and see the attitude. See the attitude of the father because he exemplifies our father in heaven. And when the prodigal son comes home, he runs to his dad. You know, he says, Dad, I'm sorry. And he starts listening. You know, he starts talking, Dad, I've I've wronged you here. I've wronged you here. You know what his dad does? His dad just ignores it. He doesn't want to hear all that. You know what he's, he is just glad. His son has come home. He says, come on, bring me a ring. Put a ring on his finger. Bring me a robe. Put a robe on his back. Bring me some shoes, some sandals. My son's not supposed to be barefooted. Put some sandals on his feet and kill the fatted calf. We're having a party tonight because my son has come home. That's what God's excited about. He's not looking at your past. He wants to redeem you from your past. He wants to forgive you of your past. And he wants to give you a great future. He is, he is concerned about today and everything that happens after today. He's not concerned about your past. Would you help me drive that home? Would you turn to the person next to you and say, it ain't about your past. It ain't about your past. He doesn't care. It's all right to say ain't. I'm sorry. (laughs) It ain't about your past. It doesn't matter if you've committed twice as many sins as anybody else in this room or you've been twice as bad as anybody else in this room. God doesn't care. As a matter of fact, you know what I think? I think a lot of times God goes looking for the worst. So he can prove how deep his love is, how big his mercy is, how wonderful his grace is. Because if he can reach the worst, then he can reach you too, can't he? Let's look at Matthew. How does all this tie into, tie into scripture, uh, tie into Christmas? Matthew chapter 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so this is the... the, the, the Kind of the family tree of Jesus, but it's not the whole tree. It's just like that one trunk coming up, okay? And here we see it. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother, notice that word, mother, was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, the father of Ram. And Ram was the father of Amminadab, the father of Nashon, the father of Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother, there's that word again, mother, was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother, 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 right there again, was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David, who was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. There's that word mother again. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, the father of Asa, who was the father of Jehoshaphat, who was the father of Jehoram, who was the father of Uzziah, who was the father of Jotham, the father of Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, who was the father of Manasseh, the father of Ammon, the father of Josiah, who was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. We're not finished. After the exile of Babylon, I was the father of Shaltiel, and Shaltiel was the father of Zerubbabel, who was the father of Abed, who was the father of Eliakim, who was the father of Azor, who was the father of Zadok, who was the father of Achim, who was the father of Eliad, who was the father of Eleazar, who was the father of Mathan, who was the father of Jacob, who is the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Okay, there's another mother there. Of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Okay. That's how this all ties into Christmas. This is because, you know what, you don't, you don't get Christmas if you don't have all these people. God used all these people to bring Christ. But there's something uh, very interesting to me in that list. You know what it was? Well, I pointed out to you, didn't I? Mother, mother, mother. How many fathers did you see there? Did anybody count them? No? Anybody? Somebody's in early service might remember, but, but anybody? There were 40 fathers that were listed there. And you know what? I got to thinking about this yesterday. I, you know, I've been, I've been working on this message and this series of messages for a couple of months. But yesterday I got to thinking about something. Is in these 40 men, there weren't a whole lot of them that did a whole lot for God. And I got to looking back at them. I looked at the names. And I didn't know some of the names. Honestly, if you asked me after service who this guy or that guy was, some of them I'd have to get the Bible dictionary out. And I'd have to look them up because I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you a whole lot about them except, you know, maybe where they fit in the lineage there. But there, there were only about seven that I found that did anything you could consider somewhat notable for God or that they were notable men for God. Most of these men, these 40 men that are in this list of the genealogy of Abraham to David to the exile to Jesus, that were in the lineage of Jesus, most of these men were simply listed because they had fathered children. And you've probably heard this saying before. We hear it a lot around Father's Day, don't we? That just having a child doesn't make you a dad. You know what? And these men, they were only listed here because they... I mean, it was just to tie it to David and to Abraham. It wasn't really to tell us about them. It was just showing us that they were tied into Abraham. This lineage went all the way back. That's all it was for. These men were only listed because of that. But there were five women mentioned there, four of them by name. And the other one, we know her name. Her name just wasn't mentioned. But there were five women mentioned there. And I don't have time to preach five women, but I want to preach three. These next three sermons are going to be about three of those women that were mentioned there. And so it makes me ask the question here. There are 40 men mentioned. And if there are 40 men, if there were 40 fathers, how many mothers were there? Not a trick question. Okay, there were 40 mothers, right? Then why were not 40 mothers also mentioned? Because they weren't important to the lineage. You see, this whole thing is about lineage, but then in the writing, okay, this whole thing is just about lineage, it's not about who's great or who's... But in the writing of this lineage, what does God do? He says, but make note of these five women. Oh, man, that's awesome. That tells me that these women did something very... There is something powerful. There is something notable about these women that, you know, there were 40 other women, and this wasn't about somebody being great, but God said, hey, well, I got, you got to note these four women, these five women, four of them by name. And so I want to share with you this morning, first of all, I want to share with you about Rahab, okay? I want to introduce you to Rahab this morning, because she's one of those women that was included in this lineage. And in verse 5 of what we just read, we find out one of the first, most important things about her is, is she was in this lineage, and where she fit was she was the great-great-grandmother of David. Okay. Uh, now, we just put grandmother on the screen because you know all these greats, you can't keep them all up there and fit everything on the screen. She was the great, great grandmother of David. And we find out that she was the great, 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 I don't even know how many greats to put there, but she was the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born in a manger for your sin and my sin. He died on the cross of Calvary. She was the ancestor of him. But she was the great, great grandmother of King David as well. I just want, I have to mention that to you because I want you to know she was, she was a mother of heroes. I mean, this is David. We're talking about King David. We're talking about the shepherd boy, David. you remember who killed a bear and a lion? We're talking about the one who wrote a lot of the Psalms. That Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thou rod and thy staff, they come from me. We're talking about that, David. We're talking about the David uh, who as a shepherd boy, took his sling and five smooth stones and went down into the valley and faced a giant that even the mightiest men of Israel would not even dare think about going down and facing. We're talking about a man, David, who, who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. This was the guy that was her great-great-grandson. I mean, this was, a, this was a notable person to stick right there. This was, this was somebody that was important. We're talking about this woman. And she was also the great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus Christ. Secondly, what else do we know about her? Well, if we go back, we find out some more about her history. In Joshua chapter 2, the first place she's ever mentioned... The Israelites, you know, they've left Egypt and they're coming to take the promised land that God has given to them, promised it to them uh, centuries centuries before. And as they're getting close to the promised land, Joshua, the leader, does this. He sends two spies out secretly with the purpose of searching out the land and of Jericho, specifically Jericho. That was going to be the first city, walled city, that they would come in contact with. So these two spies went. They came to the house of a loose woman of the town named Rahab where they took their rest for the night. Here's the next thing you gotta understand is that she was a heroine. She wasn't just the grandmother, the great great grandmother of a hero. She was a heroine. Because these two men came to her in the night and, 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 and when they went into the city, they actually went in undercover into the city. And when they got into the city, somebody noticed, somebody noticed that they weren't from around here. You know, you ever been somewhere in the Midwest or up north somewhere and you start talking and people say, You're not from around here, are you? You know, when we first moved to Chicago, we were ministering up there. We moved to Chicago. I think it was our very first day there, first full day there. We went to eat at Chili's, and we'd sat down. We didn't even think we had even spoken to anybody yet. This lady walks up, and the waitress walks up. She says, you guys, sometimes I tell this story like she said, y'all, but she didn't say y'all. She said, you guys aren't from around here, are you? I mean, we we didn't feel like we'd even open our mouth yet, and all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like almost like southern, you know, southern United States. Almost like Alabama was just oozing out our pores or something. I don't know what it was, but you could tell that there's something we had said. And David, you know, when the waitress walked away, David leaned over real quietly to me and the the kids, and she said, "Let's not talk anymore." (laughs) You know. It was pretty obvious. I mean, we stuck out uh, at Kristen when uh, she was in high school there at Glenbard South. Uh, people, she'd meet people in the, in the hall. They'd stop and say, talk for us. <laughs> you know, they just wanted to. You know, we, didn't, we, we were obviously not from there. And that happened when they walked into Jericho. People noticed. These two guys, they don't fit. They don't look like anybody around. They don't talk like anybody around here. And they went and told the king. And they said, you know what? They look like those people we've heard about that's taking over. And so the king sent messengers because they said, uh, I think I saw them go to Rahab's house. So the king sent messengers to Rahab. They ran to Rahab's house. They started asking questions. And Rahab, when she found out that the king's men were coming, she took these two men up on top of her roof where she had some grain laid out. She was drying grain. And she, she put them under the grain. She hid them there and said, no, be quiet, I'll send the king's men away. She went down to the king's men, asked ask questions. She sent them on a wild goose chase. And then she went back up to the top and she said, look, get to the mountains. Hurry to the mountains and stay there for about three days. And then the king's men will be given up on you by then And then you can go back to your people And she let them down This is important later in the sermon She let them down by a scarlet rope or, or cord that she had Because her house sat on the city wall She could just, right, I guess right outside of her window She could let them down And they would, they would be outside the city And they went and they hid in the hills Like she encouraged them to for three days And they got back This woman was a She could have lost her life No doubt if the king had found those two men He would have hung them he would have killed them for being spies. He would have also killed her for, being, for harboring the spies. This woman was not just a great-great-grandmother of heroes. She was a heroine herself. And this was an awesome woman. No wonder God wanted her in the lineage of Jesus, right? Some pretty good blood coming down through there, right? Well, there's something else about her history you need to know. And it's in Joshua chapter 6. And this is when they're about to go in, when Israel is about to go in and overtake Jer- Jericho. Here's what, here's what uh, Joshua says. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. God had them walking around. God had a plan for them. They were walking around the city. Seventh time, they walked around with the priest, sounded the trumpet blast. Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Okay, now they're about to run into the city and take it. And Joshua says, the city and everything that's in it belongs to the Lord. It's devoted to him. Only Rahab the prostitute. Prostitute? Pro- Did you know that? That's unexpected, isn't it? If you didn't know this story, that's unexpected. Rahab the prostitute is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And God could have built the, I mean, hey, look, if God could make a virgin pregnant, then God could put anybody in that line he wanted in that line. God was in charge. Of, and he chose to put a prostitute. In the lineage. You know why? Because he's not concerned about your past. He wants to redeem you from it. And he reached down to find just the, you know, the the one that everybody looked down on. He reached down to find her, the prostitute. And you know what? Everybody was pretty much wiped out. As far as I can tell, all of Jericho was wiped out. Except Rahab, the prostitute. And all who were with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the two spies that we sent. The prostitute. Why in the world? Isn't that amazing? I mean, is that not amazing? Thank God for the prostitute. I'm glad that they, they included that word. Now, a lot of people, they, they, they use a, a little different word here. They say, they say that she was a keeper of a house or whatever because that word kind of means all that thing. But you know what? What it also points to me is And and I'll argue this point with you if you've got time after church or some other time. I'll I'll be glad to tell you all the things I've studied about this. But you know what this word also means? It says she was like a keeper of a house. And so if you use that because what the Jews understood her to be was a prostitute, if you understand, she could have been running a house of ill repute, repute by this word. She could have been the madam of Jericho. And the madam of Jericho is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Thank God. How in the world does somebody get cleaned up enough from that kind of life to be considered the great, 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 great grandmother of the Son of God who came to take away the sin of the world? She, she, was, she was going to be part of bringing to pass the one who would take away the sin of the world. And you know who needed it? Nobody needed it more than Rahab. Amen. She needed what God was going to bring to pass through her. Understand that because God wants to use that in you in the same way. That's, that's what he is. That's who he's going. You know, thank God, thank God this isn't the last word on Rahab, that she was prostitute. You already know part of the rest of the story. She became part of that lineage. But let me tell you a couple of other things about her. Hebrews, and we, we believe Paul wrote Hebrews. I mean, it could have been somebody else, but it looks like his writing, even though he didn't sign his name to it, that God used Paul to write Hebrews. Here's what he said about it. You ever heard of that chapter of faith? Hebrews 11, or, or, or some people call it the hall of faith. And in it is listed all these mighty people throughout the Old Testament that had faith and God used them to do mighty awesome things. Guess who's listed there in verse 31? The prostitute. And I like the, I like the fact that Paul didn't forget she was a prostitute. I, like it. I love that. Thank God. He didn't clean it up like we try to do on Sunday morning. He didn't ignore the fact that she was a person who had ugly sin and needed a savior. He said, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. How did it happen? By faith. I've got to tell you what that means. You see, when she went back onto the top of the roof to talk to those two men, when she was hiding them and the king's men left, she went back to the, to- to the rooftop and she was talking to them. And she said, listen, we've heard about you guys. We've heard about how God, how God just parted the waters of the Red Sea and you walked across. We've heard about how the Amorites came out against you and God just literally wiped them out and what he did to their two kings. We've heard this. And I'll just tell you, she said, I'll tell you something. This whole city, talking about Jericho, her hometown, she said, this whole city, their heart has melted with fear because of this God that you serve. It, that was her faith. You know what she was doing? She was proclaiming her faith In the God that they serve. That's what she was doing. She was, I mean, she was stating her faith. She said, I believe that this God, you guys have a real God. We prayed a lot of stuff around here, but you guys have a real God. She was proclaiming her faith in their God, but it didn't stop there. James also had something to tell about her, because faith without works is, thank you. James said, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute. He didn't forget what she was. Considered, she was, was she not also considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? She was considered, it was counted to her for righteousness, even before Jesus Christ. This was, this was before Jesus was born, obviously. She was an ancestor of Jesus. She was a predecessor of him before he was born. So it was before he died, before there was grace in the blood of Jesus Christ. But it was counted to her for righteousness because of what? Because of her works. And some people say, well, yeah, I know salvation is free. Yes, I get that. You get salvation for free. Salvation's about grace, but there's going to be some works connected to that. James is the one. The scripture we were quoting a moment ago. When I stopped, and you said, "Dead faith without works is dead." That's what. That's James. He's talking about this right here, right now. That's what. That's the point he is making. Is that there are works when you get married? Some of you that aren't married yet. When you get married, if you live with your spouse for fifty years, but you never tell him you love him. You don't do anything for them. You don't treat them. I might be talking to some of you back here. I see some smiles going on back there, y'all. Be careful here. Britt was praying for y'all earlier, maybe. <laughs> and for 50 years, you never talk like you love you don't. You don't tell your spouse you love them. You don't treat them any different than the man on the street. If you're, if you're the man of the house, you don't lift a finger around the house. You don't even wash a dish. You don't even thank your wife for washing all the dishes. If you're a, if you're the wife and you don't you don't even uh, you know throw this back to you ladies too that if you're the wife you don't even cook dinner and don't even thank him when he cooks dinner or brings it home from Pizza Hut or whatever <laughs> you don't thank each other you don't you know and then 50 years later your spouse dies you're standing there at the casket and you say I sure did love him no you didn't you didn't do it your your marriage is not built on the works. But the love that you have and the trust and the faith and the confidence and the connection, the relationship that you have is going to come out in some way. I mean, it's going to come out. You're going to show that in some way. You're going to wash some dishes. Man, you're going to change some diapers. I, I need a bit of that big amen from some ladies around here. You're going to do some things because if you love them, there's going to be some works attached to the love that you have for that person. You're not going to just want it. Same way with God. You can't stand here and raise your hand and say you love God and then don't act like it six and a half days the rest of the week. You can't do it. There's going to be some work. And she had to act on the faith. She realized, hey, wait a minute, something's going on. And she made a decision that day. There's some people coming, and they have an awesome God that's wiping out everybody that stands in their way. Then I better do something about this. Not just believe and sit in my rocking chair and say, well, I believe God's going gone. No. I better do something about this. And so she made sure to jump on the side of the awesome God. The decision she made. Let's talk about that decision for just a moment. Was it a no-brainer? Or was it maybe an opportunity? I got a friend that he, he, he made a big, bad decision a few years ago. And the day before he finished this decision out, he told his wife, it's a no-brainer. She asked him, will just go ahead and tell you this. She, she said, well, have you prayed about it? And he said, it's a no-brainer. One of the worst decisions that ever made in his life. It was two years cleaning up the mess that he had with this. With I had to go ahead and tell you what it is. He bought, he bought a truck at a really good deal. And then he got a call from an FBI agent that it had been stolen. So he wasn't done paying for the truck because the truck still belonged to the person. It didn't matter how, what kind of a deed he thought he had. The, per, the truck still belonged to the person that it was originally deeded to that it had it stolen from them. He had, to, he had to go through a lot of trouble. To No-brainer? It's been a running joke with me, and, and you know Eddie, so I, do, I, don't, I won't call any last names around here. but you know, It's been a running joke. No-brainer? Sometimes things are no-brainer. You know what? This was a no-brainer for her. All right. There's a people that's coming here, and anything that gets in their way, their they're God is wiping off the face of the earth. Hey, that's a no-brainer. Either believe or die. You know, it's a no-brainer. Same thing with God. Word of God tells us it's appointed and a man wants to die, and after this, there's a judgment. We're going to stand before God one day. We're going to give an account. We're going to stand before him. We're going to give account for the way we've lived our life. And you know what? To me, that's a no-brainer. There's a devil's hell waiting for anybody that wants to be on the devil's side, and there's a beautiful eternity waiting on everybody that wants to be on God's side. To me, that's a no-brainer. Believe or die. But you know what? I believe it was more than that too. It was an opportunity. And I don't know if she really knew that this was an opportunity. But I can see her, maybe she did sit in that rocking chair for just a minute. After the king's men had left and those two spies were on her roof and she was thinking about this. I could just see her sitting there and thinking, you know, this could be an opportunity for me. If God wipes out this city, he will wipe out my past. Whew. Think about it. If he wipes out this city, he will wipe, wipe away every memory of everything I have ever done. Now, you know, when, when, when and that's what's going to happen. God's going to wipe out the city. It's going to be destroyed. And then she's going to be rescued from it. So she's going to be there with the Jews from this time on. Hey, you know what? They knew she was a prostitute. I mean, because we got the scripture. We just read them, right? It was Jews that God used to write the Bible, you know. So they knew she was a prostitute. They knew what her sin was, but all that stuff was wiped away. Explain it to you this way. Every one of you know that I used to be a sinner, right? That's not unexpected, is it? You all know that I had a sin in my history, in my past. I mean, before I came to know Jesus Christ and said, hey, Jesus, I'm a mess, please forgive me. I've done this and this and this, and he didn't want to listen to that. He just wanted to forgive me, you know. I was there too. You all understand that, right? You know, pastors aren't born already... In the kingdom of God. You know. You all know that I was a sinner saved by grace, right? And guess what? You know that, but you don't know details, do you? Thank God, don't ask. You don't know details. Because the details are under the blood. Those are all gone. You know, if we if Rahab lived today. It'd kind of be, to me, it'd kind of be like the equivalent of, of, of graffiti on a bathroom wall. You know, all that stuff. People write about you and, you know, they're getting it. Or, or maybe it'd be like her mother's friends, you know, or, or next door neighbors that, you know, they're snooting remarks and comments because, you know, oh no, their kids never did anything wrong. But, you know, that's the way, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, we never see the wrong that our kids do, but we always see the wrong everybody else's kids do. You know, those snooty women in, that always gossip about everything going on in everybody else's life, but never, oh, no, everything's fine in my life. Yeah, I said this in early service. You know, it's kind of like us preacher's kid. I'm a preacher's kid and I'm a, and a pastor, you know. so You know why preacher's kids are so bad, don't you? Cause they have to play with the member's kids. That's why preacher's kids are so bad, you know. I mean, it's not our fault. It's, you know, because they have to play with you members' kids. You know, it would be a whole lot better if they didn't have to play with you members' kids. I mean, that's the way we are. We, we always want to point the finger, And that's the way they were, no doubt. I guarantee you. Rahab walked around the city and people whispered behind her back. They, they stuck their nose up in the air. They were snooty. They were snobbish about all the junk they had, she had done. Oh, did you hear that? She's hanging around with the wrong crowd these days. Her, her father caught her lying and then cheating and then stealing. She didn't come home till daylight. She got arrested the other night. And when she finally did come home, she was drunk. And that's that's the way she's been coming home most of the time now anyway. And did you hear? She's pregnant. And I heard that she went to one of those back alleys, you know, downtown Jericho, and saw those people, and she had That's what she's become. Her own family can't even trust her anymore. She spent so much time in jail. And they finally, they kicked her out today. Did you hear that? I, I don't know if she put all this together and she realized the opportunity that was about to happen to her. But if there was a bathroom wall, you know, somewhere in, in Jericho, and it probably wasn't that. But if it was a bathroom wall or, or if it was just... The words that were spoken by all these people that remembered all the, every single mistake. I mean, that I think that's one of the reasons that you know, we get saved and, and God starts calling and starts using us for awesome things and, and the people that grew up with us, they can't believe it, can they? I think that's one of the reasons the Bible says a prophet is without honor saving his own country. It's because his own country knows all that stuff about him. I don't know if she knew it was coming or not, but you know what happened? When that city began to be wiped out, Her past did too. Every single detail. Every improper relationship. Every scam she pulled. Every night she was out doing things that you and I blush about. Was totally wiped away. Looks better, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And just like my life. and anybody else's life. That has come to know Jesus Christ. It's all been washed away, and it's not just the past that was an opportunity, but she had another opportunity. Number the second opportunity was this: is for a new beginning. It's not just that yesterday goes away; it's that tomorrow can be something different. Yesterday, you know, we were talking a little bit about this in the in our adult small group Wednesday night about how so often, man, we see people we see people come to Jesus and and get saved, and God washes away their sin, yet they still want to just kind of live in the stuff. God doesn't want you to live there in that. Don't return to it. I mean, can you imagine how foolish would it have been for Rahab to have had all of that wiped away and then to enter into life with the Jews and start another house of ill repute? How crazy. I mean, she had her whole past wiped away. It's time for a new beginning. That's what God wants to give you. you go back to that story. How, when, how, how uh, when, when the Israelites came in to destroy Jericho and to take that city back and take part of their property back that belonged to them that God had given to them. Look, here's, here's the new beginning that she had. Joshua told the two men, now when we go, we're about to go in to defeat this, this city. and So go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and everybody who belongs to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in, and they brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. They put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasure of the Lord's house. Everything in the city belonged to God. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her. Listen to me. It's not just about you. There's some other people around you too. Because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites today. At the writing of this verse, at the moment that verse was being written, whoever was writing there and writing what God had done and all those things, what they wrote there, they said, and at the time of this writing, she still lives in Israel today. That's the new beginning God gave to her. And she wasn't just a neighbor. She wasn't just an alien that had been naturalized, she became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. She became part of the family that was of the tribe of Judah. She became part of the family that was of the seed of Abraham. And you know what? She still lives in Israel today. Because every time we tell the Christmas story, we're telling Rahab's story. Because she's part of that. Every time we remember a babe born in a manger that would grow up to die for our sin, we're remembering the story of Rahab. She still lives in Israel today. Let me give you another unexpected. Because, you know, I've heard this said, and you may have too God will meet you halfway. You ever heard that? That's not true. Jesus will meet you right exactly where you are. He doesn't require you to clean up before you come. He doesn't require you to do a thing. He will meet you right where you are. He met Rahab where she was. God met her in Jericho. He said, now if you can find a way out of Jericho and get across the Jordan, we'll talk. No. I like Joshua said, go in and find her and bring them That's what he did with me. I mean, this was the Savior. This was the the Lord of the universe that created the worlds. And everything that we see, he created it with his his voice. He just spoke it into existence. He never knew sin. And yet he came, was born on this earth, and and lived here about 30, 32 years. And and the scripture tells us, and this this was a spiritual thing that was happening. Okay, get out of your fleshly mind here for a moment. And see an awesome spiritual thing happen is that he took every single sin of the whole world on his shoulders. He bore the sin of the whole world, and he went to the cross of Calvary and died so every sin could be killed on the cross of Calvary. He came a lot farther than halfway. When he came from no sin to having all of my sin, he came a lot farther than halfway. He will come and meet you exactly where you are today. Will you take a step today? We take a step. Some of you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you know what? He, he, he is standing here today with his arms outstretched saying, Hey, I've come all this way. I've done all this. I'm here, right here. We just take a step this morning. Some of you got you got problems. I, I pointed it out to you just a few moments ago. It's not just about you. It's about it's, there's a lot of people around you. Uh, Britain felt this, this, this urge this morning. That God wanted to heal some marriages. Hey, if you've been messing up your marriage, God wants to heal it. He wants to heal it. And not the quick way, not the easy way like the the world thinks. God wants, whatever you're in right now, God can heal. I, I believe, I don't care what you think about it, God can heal what you're in right now. You may be five times divorced and be like the woman at the well living with somebody you're not married to right now. Whatever you're in right now, God can heal right now. You may have messed up your kids so bad nobody wants to be around them, not even you, not even on Christmas. But you know what? God can heal that relationship too. Your finances may be so, may be so bad, you've got to borrow money to get back to zero. Think about it. But God can heal that too. You may have destroyed your body with all kinds of living, everything that you've done in your life, all kinds of stuff that you've taken, done to your brain and whatever. God can heal that too. And you might, not be, well, you might not be addicted to alcohol, drugs, or anything like that. You might just be addicted to food, and you've killed your body with that. God can heal that too. He can heal diabetes just as well as he can heal cancer. He can heal it. What, and he stands here today. You know what I'd like to see this morning? I saw a little bit of it in early service. I'd really like to see it in this second service. I'd like to see some men. Go ahead and step up and say, you know what? The devil's battling my family, and I'm tired of it. And to quit acting like, you know, Jamie says at the end of every service, the prayer team is here waiting on you. They didn't show up this morning and say, oh oh, 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 okay. No, they've been thinking about this moment. They're prayer team members. They've been preparing for this. They're here. They're waiting for somebody that says the devil's been attacking my family, and I'm tired of it. And I want somebody to agree with me in prayer today that the devil stops right here, right now, in Jesus' name. You know, I'd like to see some men step forward and say, we need some prayer. Instead of saying, well, I can't admit, I got problems. Can I tell you something? What you knew about me, I know about you. You're just a sinner that Jesus found and saved you by grace. Whether it's today or 20 years ago. Let me tell you this before I bring you down front. So I don't want you standing here too long. I want to offer you three things today. I want to offer you prayer. When we come to the front just a moment, I want the prayer team to get in place, facing you. If anybody's facing you, you'll know, that's a prayer team member. I want to offer you prayer. Some people who are ready to take you by the hands, whisper in there. Tell them something. Tell them what you're fighting if you want to do. You don't have to tell them all the details. Those are under the blood, right? But tell them what you're fighting. Tell them the kind of devil you're fighting. Something in your marriage, something with your kids, something in your health, something in your finances. Or if you need to become a Christian for the first time, tell them. They'll lead you through a prayer. They can help you with that. I want to offer you that prayer. Secondly, I want to offer you this, especially if you're a new Christian and you've not ever taken, if you're a new Christian today or in the past few weeks or months, we've got a devotion we want to send to you. We want to email it to you every single day for 21 days, something to get you going. We call it First Steps Devotions. 21 days to help you get started on this. I want to offer you that today. Third thing I want to offer to you is our growth track. Today is 101 at 4 o'clock. Next week is 201. The others are important, but these two are so important. To new converts Now if you're a church leader You need to be there Because you need to hear What we're telling new converts If you've not been to 101 or 201 yet But if you're a new convert if you, get, if you get right with God today If you get to know him You need to be here today If you miss it today We're going to do it again in January But you need to do it as soon as possible 101, 201 let me, tell you, let me tell you one of the reasons why It's because we don't want to be a church That preaches says, Okay, there's the message Hope you can deal with it this week We want to be a church That puts something in your hands Helps you with it that's why I want to, I'm offering you three things today. Somebody that will pray with you and agree in prayer that the devil's got to stop what he's doing in your life. First steps for those of you who are new converts. And 101 and 201 to help you take, keep taking the right steps as well. So will you do something now? You heard me say, God's Jesus is standing right here. He's just waiting on somebody. I've come all this way. I mean, some people say, man, that's a long walk down here. Not as long as he came from heaven. We're all coming down here. We're all coming in just a second. But I'm asking you spiritually this morning, would you come? And would you let him help you with whatever it is in your life that he wants to? He don't care about your past. He's concerned about redeeming you from it and giving you a great future. Stand and let's all come to the front. Come on, please join me. Please join us. Oh, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Let me tell you one last unexpected thing. Do I have another unexpected thing about relationship? I'm sorry, I don't think I gave you that one, Mike. Let me tell you one last unexpected thing. I don't think I gave this one to Mike, so I don't think we've got a slide up there for it. One last unexpected thing is this. God wants relationship with you. Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? You know what? The governor ain't got time for you today, does he? Does anybody here know the governor personally, and you can get an audience with him today? The governor hasn't got time for you. The president of the United States, how much, how much trouble do you think it would be to get an audience with the president this afternoon? I mean, the secret service, they got to sweep. I mean, wherever you're going, they got to sweep the place for all kinds of stuff. You can, they don't have time for you. But the God of this universe doesn't want to just talk to you today. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. Please. When we bow our heads, when we close our eyes, when we start this prayer, please take advantage of this prayer time. Come get with somebody and say, Listen, the devil, I am sick and tired. We're sick and tired of the devil, too. We just wait for somebody to tell us you're sick, you're sick in your life so we can help you pray about it in your life. Come down, come down front. Grab a hold of one of these people's hands and say, I'm sick and tired of the devil right here in this place. My finances, my goodness, why did that hit my face right here? right in my face, right there, finances. I'm sick and tired of what the devil's doing. I guess I got so many of you dealing with stuff. We got so many sick folks. I mean, serious sick, sicknesses this past couple of weeks. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of what God is doing, or what the, the devil's doing. I'm ready for God to, to change it. Would you come? Would you come? Let's believe you. God, God wanted a relationship with a prostitute. Then he definitely wants to I want to pray over your needs. I want to pray over your struggles. I want to pray over your battles. I want some of you, please, come down front. Let us help you pray right now over something real serious. Jamie is going to lead us in a final song. Please don't start singing until you finish praying. Come on. Come on to the front and say, I'm ready for God to do something for my life real serious. Come on. God, I pray. Let's pray. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray in Jesus' name.